0: Apple presents events at the Apple Store.
1: Let's take a look at the trailer for A Night in Old Mexico. Uh, This isn't the uh, Bovey Ranch, is it? Well, it was. Now it's Rancho Vista Estates. What do you want? I'm your grandson. How'd you lose your ranch? Damn conspiracy. You'll make some good friends here, Mr. Bovey. You'll see. Ain't no living in no damn tin can. Damn it. Come on now, let's go. Get your damn hand off okay. Cadillac. Jesus Christ! I want some sang in the dance. And a woman, I want a woman. A woman? Where oh, you going with me? Speak up. We go, yes yeah, or no? Yeah, yeah. I'll go, I'll go. Go down. Y'all going down south of Mexico? I gladly buy the gas. I seen you got some beer right there, too. Yeah, I don't remember saying that beer was community property. Say, Oh man, pull over. I got to take a leap. Good idea. Come on, Gally. Let's boogie-woogie.
0: Let's go, In Mexico. Oh, Where is Panama's money?
1: That old man and that kid—they got it. They left a few bucks in the car. Ain't nothing to dwell on. Fifty thousand. I think somebody's looking for us. What's Drop the money go over my dead body. You have the money, don't you? You stupid little gringo. You're just going to have to find somebody else to pick on, see? I'm old. I'm broken. I'm alone. And I'm more scared of dying with somebody spoon feeding me oatmeal than anything else in the world. I'm gonna get you money back. Forget about the money. You're all I got left in the world now. Here's the deal, mister. I come for my money.
0: An old man like you should die in bed.
1: Now, this cowboy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from the Museum of the Moving Image, David Schwartz, and tonight's guest, Academy Award-winning actor Robert
0: Duvall. Okay. Well, I'm very honored to be here with you, and I, I love this new movie. Uh, could you, um, I guess just to start off with, tell us a little bit about the, the character that you play, Red Bovey, in this film. Yeah,
1: well, Red Bovi, uh, pretty interesting character. I, uh, he was started about 30 years ago by w- Bill Whitliffe, a wonderful Texas writer. Who uh, also wrote uh, the, sc- the the screenplay, the teleplay for uh, for for Lonesome to- Dove from the great novel by McMurtry, and and he had this already, but we waited many many years to get this off the ground. But it's almost as if this character Red Bowie is a descendant of those guys from Lonesome Dove, and uh, it's a character I always wanted to play and. Uh, it took a long time to get it off the ground. Dennis Hopper was going to direct it. Then a French guy was going to direct it, and then now was a time. It was now or never, and a, and a Spanish guy showed up, Emilio Aragón, with a full crew and the money to do it in Brownsville, Texas, in the Rio Grande Valley. So we did it in only 23 days. It took him about 35 years to get it off the ground. We had 23 <laughs> days. So uh, it was it was a lovely movie to make and a lot of fun and. Uh, the, the young woman, uh, Angie Cepeda, is from Colombia. They tracked her down from Madrid to, to play the Mexican. She's a wonderful actor. Her first American movie. And the young man that played my grandson is Jeremy. Jeremy Irvine was Jeremy the, a- Irvine, the young actor. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Joaquin Cosio, a wonderful stage actor from Mexico City, played in it. And certain actors from Spain. It was a, it was a wonderful experience working. 23 days we had to cram it in, but it was... Uh, it was wonderful, and wonderful working on this character. Titus Red Bovey was his name.
0: <laughs> so it's a character who, who is aged. Um, so, you know, I read somewhere that you said you wanted to, to um, age, you know, wait 25 years so you could be old enough to play the character. Yeah,
1: well, you know, when we finished uh, Lonesome <laughs> Dove, uh, Whitliff said to me, uh, now we should do, a, you know, A Night in Old Mexico. I said, no, it's too soon. we got to wait. You know, I'm, i I got to get a little older, you know. <laughs> so uh, we did, and... Uh, it was an interesting journey. It's interesting because Whitliff can, can be difficult to work with. Great writer. But so he, uh, what he did was he, he kept putting snags in the road. And finally, about a week before we start to film, he said he's going to pull the plug on it for whatever reasons, technical reasons. So Rob Carlin and one of the producers, I said, you go to Whitliff and tell him this. And he said, if you pull the plug on this movie, it'll be more heartfelt. Breaking for Duval, Bobby Duval, t- to not do this movie, then it would be for Red Bowie to lose his ranch within the movie. <laughs> so he said, "I get it." So then he, we went into full production. It was green lit, and we went from there.
0: And it was, uh, f- from what I understand, it was really done like an old-fashioned independent film. You had very low budget. You only had a few weeks. Absolutely,
1: to shoot. Uh, twenty-three days. That was it. We went down there, and you know, semi-guerrilla filmmaking on the run it was it was a great experience sometimes when you work fast you can only have chance for two or three takes yeah. it's better than i just did a film with robert downing we had uh, 60 days to do it and you know sometimes it's just your energy dissipates it's better to the compact thing of having to work fast sometimes is it's very beneficial i think so 23 days can be okay sometimes it was it was fine with emilio directing and uh I, I love working in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, right there, Matamoros, right across from Mexico. And, um, you know, what is it like when you're, when
0: you're doing a film? The thing, I think, that's the hallmark of your acting is that you, it's like you really do become this other person. I mean, I know that's the goal of of acting, but um, you seem to just really transform in a very, like the character like takes over somehow. So how does that work for well, you? Well, I
1: think the transformation is a, a legitimate word, but it's all, also going to become... Um, an illegitimate word, because it, it always has to be you doing it. Uh-huh, right. Turned in a certain way, as if you become another character, which you kind of do, but it has to be you. You only have one set of emotions, one psyche, one temperament, and, and sometimes you become another character. If that's done cerebrally, then it could be off. It's got to come from you, from your whole human infrastructure, so to speak. So that's that's what character acting is about. I love to do different characters, you know, whether it be this guy or when I played Joseph Stalin, where I played a Cuban barber with Richard Harris, whether I played Adolf Eichmann, you know, good guys, bad guys. I played Robert E. Lee in a movie, The Great General, that led the Southern the Confederacy. So you have to find in you what that character calls for and turn it as if it's that character. It is that character, but it's still you masked. So, to speak. Yeah. So, so
0: what was it about, about Red that you embraced that really meant a lot to you? Cause it's just well,
1: well it's just, it's, it, it was not a difficult journey because I, 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 through the years I'd liked his character and I just followed the writing. Yeah. Once in a while you improvise, but if the writing is really, really good, you don't need to improvise. But I, I love to improvise when called for. But the script is so good. For instance, he had lines like Amorita or Amarilla. And I had a Mexican guy come up. That really happened to Whitliff. Give me a dollar. Watch me cut myself. He had to cut marks all over. And all these different sayings from Texas. And the music, dos juntos, means two sides. The Mexican side and the Texas side, music blended. is a wonderful, wonderful type of music that was evident in the movie. So uh, many, many kind of ingredients go into it that... Uh, that, that made me love this character and I just felt that I all I had to do was follow the text, so to speak. And I did I did improvise one line at the end that gave me a tremendous emotional thing. I said it was nice to see this. You're a man now to my grandson and I I had a new lady love that I found. My life has been turned around and I said, I found all this and I said, and I found me a grandson. And when I said that word, Whitler said, I wish I'd have thought of that line. <laughs> because it, I had a truly, very deeply emotional moment that was totally unplanned. Yeah. And just happened out of the blue. Wow.
0: Wow. Well, um, well, he can take credit for it, but we know the truth now. <laughs> so we have a few clips to show. So why don't we look at the first clip and your and your character is um, facing, um, basically living, you know, having to move um, and live somewhere you don't want to live. So you, you're you about to go off. They're right to
1: take me to an old age home because I lost my little ranch, my little humble ranch on a foreclosure to the bank. And uh, they're taking me off. I find that I have a grandson on that day that I never knew I had because my son had left me, my wife had left me. I didn't even know I had a grandson until this day. And uh, the lady that kind of oversaw the the selling of the farm, the ranch, is taking me to an old age home. Okay, so let's run the first clip.
0: That one's yours.
1: Ain't no living in no damn tin can. You'll make some good friends here, Mr.
0: Bovey. You'll see.
1: You know, this is all you can afford. I ain't going in it, not me. No. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, don't no, be timid. Come on now, let's go. Get your damn hand off. Cadillac.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ! Slow down, please. Slow down.
1: Slow down. I want some singing and dancing. Singing. Uh, dancing. Want it. What? And, and a woman. I want a woman. A woman you go going with me, boy. you go going with me. Speak up. Yeah, you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll go. I'll go. Good. You sure. Yeah, yeah. Just, just slow down. Good. Slow down. Yeah. I had a very good stunt driver there. <laughs> a very good driver. Good stunt man. You know, sometimes you do your own stunts, but we had a good driver there that did that, actually. <laughs> yeah.
0: You seem to love, your, uh, I, I associate you with West, you know, so many great westerns you've done. You, you've never lived in Texas, but, you, but you're a no, you know, legend no, there no, because a no, lot of people I spent a lot of
1: time there. Actually, my mother's people were from New Boston, Texas. Yeah. I don't know them, but I, I, I spent time. But, you know, when I was a kid, kid and at the end of World War II, I was young, and I, my brothers and I spent two summers on my uncle's big cattle and sheep ranch in northern Montana. And I think that's what gave me an interior to, to be able to do these parts, the beginnings of it, at least, you know, to do Westerns. Yeah. Horses. I like to do my own riding and all my ho- own horse work, all my own singing, and all yeah. my own dancing in movies. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I am drawn to Westerns, and I do like Texas a lot. You know, I, I do, you know. It's like a separate country, really, Texas. You know? Yeah.
0: And you, you, um, you know, you had the, the luck of uh, working with John Wayne, um, on True Grit I mean what was that like I think well, it he it was nice it was yeah. great
1: working with John Wayne it's, it's a different kind of filmmaking then I'm not enamored with some of the f- old filmmakers that director said to Glenn Campbell the actor at one point he say, when I say action tense up god damn it <laughs> Henry Hathaway uh, you don't yeah. do that with you can imagine doing that to Joe Montana in the Super Bowl. I mean, you don't. There's a difference between intensity and tenseness, you know. So, uh, yeah. but it was it was it was nice working with John Wayne the Duke. He was a very underrated actor because you know he, he learned his craft as he went along, and by the time he did the movie The Shooters, stood at the end of his career, I thought it was a wonderful performance. Yeah, it really, really was. But it was nice working on that, and they made a sequel to that and everything. But, uh, and Charlie Portis was a wonderful writer from a. Uh, from Arkansas, he only wrote one or two books really, but he was a wonderful writer and uh, it was a nice movie to work on, definitely.
0: So, how do you work with uh, directors? You this, um,
1: actually, I guess a Spanish director, Emmanuel Aragon, yeah, he's he, he's very powerful in Spain, he speaks wonderful English, yeah, and it was fine, you know. I, I and they said, Well, what was like, why, 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 what was it like to in Texas to work with a Spanish director? I said, Better. A director from Madrid than a hack from Dallas, you know. So <laughs> so he was uh he was fine to work with, you know, you know what, uh, what I was
0: wondering was like how do you sort of build the traits of your character. Like your character has such a particular way of talking in this movie and a laugh. I mean he he has a real he's a really gruff character, but like a real sense of humor also. And and how do you sort of put together the I,
1: I just just follow the logic of the script really. Yeah. I just went with it and let myself victimized in a good way by the script. I just went with it and didn't intellectualize it too much. I just let it take me. And I I felt I trusted I trusted the material and I think I pretty much on the best of days trusted myself with that material. Yeah.
0: And do you find that once you're in a character do you pretty much I mean are you the type of actor who stays in character the whole time or do you
1: turn it on (laughs) and off pretty easily? Yeah turn it on and off. I mean (laughs) some actors do stay in Character all day long. I would think that would be very tiresome, you know. <laughs> I think once you do something good, then it's it's all you doing it. It's so you can go relax with your friends and come back, you know. I mean, some some scenes are, you know, involve a little bit uh, more, uh, you know, concentration and emotional preparation. But my my kind of simplest, simple, simplistic form of acting is you start from zero. And you, and you let the process take you to the result rather than going to the result. So I talk, you listen, as we're doing now. You talk, I listen. And that that simplicity, to be that simple and that pure, it's not that easy always. Let us, let us see where it takes you. Let us see where it takes you. Yeah. And if you're true to that, then you could be rewarded with some surprises around the corner that if you were trying to force it, those surprises might not happen yeah do you it's
0: it, it's so great to see you in a film where you i mean the, the whole film is really built about around your character and you had one a few years ago um, get low do you um is it hard to find scripts that you want that you want to do you know because yeah, like, we would love to see you in more
1: films well you know i mean i've done a lot of things that you know yeah. it is hard to find good scripts this is a good one get low is a good one i like you sometimes it's easier to raise a it's much easier to raise $100 million with a great big name than $5 million or $4 million, you know, a low-budget film. I like certain low-budget films, and uh, I really like to do them, and, and I've had a pretty good success at doing them. But, you know, if a big film comes along, like the one I'm going to do with, I've done with Robert Downey Jr., The Judge, we yeah. had 60 days to shoot that. <laughs> so, and, you know, a lot of time wasted, but as I said before, sometimes when you work fast, Things happen that don't allow a process of dissipation to, for things to dissipate like they can do in a big budget film. Uh, we have
0: one more clip, um, not to give away too much of the story, but your character, um, I mean, instead of going to an old age home, decide to, to, to takes off to Mexico to have a good time, yeah. um, and you get into a, you know get into an adventure with a suitcase full of money that you didn't expect to have. Yeah. To have, so that's uh, that's all I want to say to set up this scene we're about to see. So let's run the second clip.
1: Hey, Red, yeah. we can drive right back across the bridge to Texas now, and we got nothing to hide. Now, just cowboy. Yeah. Put yeah. yeah. the here. What are you doing? Yeah. Put that stupid thing away. No, 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 no. I'm gonna get my money back. <laughs> hey, give this. With old Smokey here to yes. do it. Okay, all right, Red, just stop it now. Get out! Okay, it. Get stop away from it, me, boy! All right, God stop. damn you! Get away from me! Red, this is
0: insane. Get away from me, boy! This is insane. All right, all right, give me that Take pistol. It. Get, get it out of here now! Okay, stop!
1: Do so you know what? No, no, no. Yeah, let him go. I'll knock you God. down. God. He's crazy. I'm not you crazy. Down. You're totally crazy, wacko, nuts. I ain't. I ain't. I ain't. I'm old, see. I'm broken. I'm alone. And I'm more scared of dying with somebody spoon-feeding me oatmeal than anything else in the world. And neither one of you know a damn thing about that now, would you? Now, would you now, by God? Yeah. I know you're going to get yourself killed. Yeah? I know that much. Yeah, well... Stop that. I ain't asking you to stay and watch. You neither, say. Here, take my Cadillac. Take my Cadillac. And go on home to your New York daddy.
0: So, that's such a powerful scene. I mean, can you talk about what it's like when you're, you know, there's certain scenes in the film that are just so intense and, um, you know. Well, you know,
1: I always try to make sure it comes out of my temperament. So, the young actor there, Jeremy from from England, he had been in The War Horse. He was jumping in on me at the wrong time. Hmm. And it made me mad. <laughs> so, I said, jump in on me any place you want to. Forget about the script. So, if, when he jumped in on me, like, unexpectedly, like, that like, jolted me and got my motor going, you know. So I, I went with it. I went with it. So you go with the moment. You go with what happens. You don't d- deny the reality of what's happening at the moment. So I was able to use that in, within that situation. And uh, it's nice. And, and I don't know if I said the young lady from, from Colombia. Yeah. That's her first American movie. Wow. Her mother was a prosecuting attorney in, in Bogota. Hmm. She had to sit behind a curtain when she prosecuted the drug the drug uh, people wow. for safety reasons, and actually her mother died. Again. She's a, she's it's her first American. She's very talented, and she was said that we were lucky to find her. And uh, you know, as the movie goes on, I won't give it away. We kind of find one another, and uh, going to old Mexico, he finds a new life, a new love, and uh, things turn around for him. You know that. Uh, Start out very negative. It's kind of kind of a sweet story that way. As we said, it's a yarn, yeah, a narrative, it, a fictional tale.
0: It's yeah, it's kind of a. It, I, as I was saying before, when we it's a sort of surprisingly sweet movie. I c- sort of didn't expect that, but yeah, it's, it's like a, an
1: old movie, a nice beginning, middle, and an end without um, too much violence, too much of this or that. It's just a nice story. Yeah. that Whitliff came up with It's a, it's a real Texas story. Yeah, that it, it could be universal, but it's definitely a Texas story to begin with.
0: I just want to ask one thing, then we'll take audience questions. But, um, you know, right now we're in a a, in a, post, a building that used to be a post office, and you used to work at a post office in New York. Yeah. And you had your early days here um, acting in New York. So could you just talk about yeah, what you did? Well, you know, yeah,
1: that in between jobs, which were few and far between at the time, you have to take jobs to get along. Dustin Hoffman worked here. Gene Hackman loaded trucks. We, we had these jobs, you know. And uh, I finally got a good permanent job at the 42nd Street, post office it was good I never had money in my pocket like that $100 at a time I never had money like that I'd, got, I'd been in the army and it was terrific and I, I really was grateful to have that job but I said to myself after 6 months if I don't quit this job I'll be here in 20 years <laughs> so I quit the job I had to and well, go, to, go, co- to go back I had to be semi destitute because you know I had to find my way in the, in the business and I couldn't do it at the post office
0: and you started doing a lot of theater. Did you always want to go into films?
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, I did. I, it's been a while. The last play I did was American Buffalo, uh, David Mammoth's play on Broadway that my good friend Ulu Grossbar directed it, and it was a beautiful production that he directed. They say it was the best one yet. That and Ulu was great to work with. I did one film with him, with uh, Oh, with True Confessions. True Confessions, great movie. And uh, he, uh, Ulu, died unfortunately two years ago. He was. A, a dear, dear friend, and uh, yeah. I used to do a lot of theater in Long Island and so forth. And uh, but now, you know, I figure any some of these parts I do in the movies, I could do in theater if I had to. Yeah. Not that I want to do it eight times a week, but you know. Well,
0: you had a pretty good um, first film. Uh, this thing called *To Kill a Mockingbird*. Absolutely, that's *To Kill that's a, a Mockingbird*. It's a pretty good way to start. Yeah, Hort, uh, <laughs> Hort,
1: yeah. Horton Foote, the great, the great writer. He and Francis Coppola, we did *Godfather* one and two and Apocalypse, and then I wrote a letter to Coppola recently thanking him, saying you and Horton Foote in, in my beginnings helped me. Both of them, very, very different in their thrusts. But uh, yeah, you were, Horton Foote did that, we did that movie that tomorrow in the black and white that I, you mentioned.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I just read that um, there was a survey done recently of, to pick the greatest speeches in movie history and the number one um, greatest speech was I Love the Smell of Napalm from pop
1: I thought it was 13th. <laughs> no, it's <was> first. <laughs> first. Yeah, people come up to me uh, like and say, like, they knew I said it, and they knew that I said it, and and, and their attitude is that, like, only they and I know that I said it, <laughs> and nobody else in the world knows it, you know.
0: <laughs> okay, so do we
1: have some questions in the audience? And, and just w- uh, wait for
0: the microphone, so... Hi, thank you so much for coming. So I'm a big fan, you know. I, I love your old movies. So okay, quick, my question. You won the Oscar and so many gold, Golden Globes, you know. So where do you keep all, st- you know,
1: statues? Oh, where, do
0: you <laughs> where do you keep? You your got so many. You got so many statues. Oh, where <laughs> do you keep all your yeah, awards? Yeah. <laughs> he said you won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Gold, he wants to know where you keep all your awards.
1: Yeah. Oh, you mean the tr- yeah. the trophies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a few. Yeah. Well, yeah, we live on a farm in Virginia, the state of Virginia. We love it there. And uh, the Oscars on the on the mantle, and then I have a a letter on the other wall from Marlon Brando about and and I I almost liked the letter from Marlon Brando more than the Oscar.
0: You just said that um, you got a letter from Marlon Brando that meant more to you than the Oscar. That was a letter about the, the Apostle, right? The movie that you directed. Exactly,
1: the movie I directed and other things, and uh, it was a wonderful letter that uh, you know I because uh, coming up, you know, we used to. Go to Cromwell's Drugstore. I don't know if it's there anymore. At, 40, at 50, you know, Rockefeller Plaza. Myself, Dustin Hoffman, Gene Hackman, we used to meet there and, and a couple of times a week, you know, and talk. And if we mentioned Brando's name once, we mentioned it 25 times. And like Jimmy Kahn said, if, if the young actors of that era don't give credit to Brando, they're lying. Because he was like a hero to us. He was like a mentor, you know. And I think it's good to have heroes in your life. You've got to have people you look up to, at, you know, because then you learn and you grow. Hi, um, what was your
0: most difficult role to play?
1: When I played Joseph Stalin on television, we went to uh, Russia and we filmed in the Kremlin, in the the Kremlin, nobody had done that before, it was very difficult to play a Russian guy, in English but with a certain accent, and uh, that was very difficult to do because with h b o they weren't well organized and uh it was very difficult but uh uh what ultimately what happened was when we when it was aired and everything uh Nikita mikhailkov's father the great russian director, his father had worked under stalin eight times and stalin and in and and Nikita mikhailkov the father of, you know that had worked with Stalin, liked our production a lot, and uh, I guess he liked what I did a lot. So that was a, like a great, a great review. So it was a very difficult to do to go over to a foreign country like that and do that, because that's right when things were changing, and it was uh, the first day I came out as Stalin. The people like ducked, and then when they served the food, that the people weren't used to having good food. They piled bread on top of bread and meat on top of meat, you know, from the caterer. But that was, a, that was a very rewarding in a strange kind of way, in a negative kind of way. But something I always remember as very difficult but pleasing at the same time. Hello.
0: I first saw you years ago, back in 1980, and I was wondering how has the
1: film business changed for you since then?
0: You've been making movies since the 60s, so how have you seen the film business change over the years? Well,
1: I think it's, it's changed, but it's still the same. All I can say, like, in the 70s was the golden age, so to speak, and that, uh, uh, filmmaking, and it's as if the independent films were within the system. And now they're outside the system. Now they make the big blockbuster films. And the smaller films are more difficult to make. But it's still, it's still movie making. It's still action. It's still cut. It's, it's the same. It's just the emphasis is different. And, uh, and there's some famous director said no good movies have been made since the 70s. Well, he hasn't made any good movies since the <laughs> 70s. I won't mention any names. But they've been, they're good movies every year. And the young, the young actors now are as good or better than ever. Because the door is open going into the 21st century. Instead of certain people wanting to be novelists or whatever, they, uh, they want to be scriptwriters, directors, actors, and, and the door is open. Look at guys like Denzel Washington, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, guys like that that couldn't, and 30 years ago, they couldn't get a get chance. You have Darin of Argentina, you have Bardem of Spain all these wonderful young actors the worldwide uh, that and and you see then you go to a country like Iran and like the Iranian filmmakers some of them are very good they say in hollywood they make they make machine made rugs machine made movies in iran they made handmade rugs handmade movies and if you see a movie called the apple by a 17 year old girl in, in, in iran it's beautiful so it's it's a worldwide thing but in a strange way even though we try to get away from it, Hollywood is still kind of the mecca, or a semi-mecca. You know, people still want to come to this country, even when they don't like us particularly, and work here. So it's it's changed, but it's still action and cut. It's still let's make believe, let's play house, let's be like kids and play house, but as adults for money and for whatever you know. So it's it'll all there'll always be a Hollywood. There'll always be movies, and it's a it's a very in-medium, even more than ever, going into the 21st century for many people, for young, there are many wonderful young actors now. For me, some people disagree, for, for me, better than ever. Uh, two things, I notice uh, how well you use certain um, things like a hat or the car as characters to add to developing your character. Can you talk about that, how you use certain uh, visual characteristics or like the car is almost like a character in the film? And also, I want to hear what your production company is working on next, or working on, and maybe theater and such. Uh, yeah, what if your production company is you know any projects that are in the works? No, uh, my production company is no longer. Oh. I got, but I, I work independent now more. But you know, when you do a part like this, the hat and in a western, the horse, the costume is very important, and those things of doing the hat and so forth, they come more intuitively. You don't necessarily plan them out. It just comes with the rhythm of, of each scene, so to speak. And the yeah. car. And the, oh, and the car. The car. It's funny because in this, car, in this movie and also in the Downey movie, I drive a Cadillac. I told the director in the Downey movie, I, I drive a Cadillac. Why don't you change? They didn't change it. So I drive a Cadillac in both movies. But he had this, that was part, true, good question because it's like an extension of the character, the, the car. It's, it's all he's got left when he heads to Mexico, old Mexico as he calls it, with his, uh, with his, uh, with his uh, newfound grandson. It's interesting because a good, a good friend of mine, Buster Welch, he's in his 80s now. He's uh, one of the all-time great cutting horse riders in Texas. He trained all the cutting horses on the King Ranch for a long time. And he today, when he talks, he talks about going down into old Mexico. The old people talk about old Mexico is kind of a saying, you know, which is interesting. And I think that's where Whitliffe got that as the author, thinking in terms of old Mexico. Uh, do you have any advice for a young actor or actress or writer? Is there anything that you, that you wish you had known when you were starting out? Well, you know, you always wish you knew certain things better. But I, for, for young actors today, I always say when I meet them, always get with a group. You can't act independently. You have to get with a group and kind of work together and from there maybe something will branch out for you. Go to a city, New York, Chicago, or whatever, Washington, maybe Washington, D.C., LA, but but get with groups that you can kind of rely on, you know, and from there hopefully maybe a springboard will happen into something on on a commercial level.
0: It was a pretty good idea for you to be roommates with Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman. That was that was a good yeah,
1: way back. Well, uh, <laughs> I good. knew Gene. Gene lived downtown with his wife, Faye. And he said, I have this friend coming in town with a shock of black hair. You know, he'd sleep on my floor. It was Dustin Hoffman. And Dustin, myself, my brother, Maurice Sterner was a cantor. We rented a wonderful railroad apartment, 107th and Broadway. We had great parties. Gene Hackman lived downtown. And I never see those guys. It's crazy. Because the country's so big, you know, people are all over the place. But whenever I do see them, I pick up right where we left off. Right, you know, it could be 20 years, we still pick up, pick, you know. But good guys, good guys, talented guys. I was
0: wondering what it feels like to you to watch yourself in a movie, or if when you're you see yourself, like you're clicking along, and you see yourself, do you stop? Do you omit it, or what do you do? Oh well, what's it like, to, like watching yourself in a movie? Like if you have the TV on and you and and you show up in a movie, do you keep watching it? Or Sometimes
1: you... I watch. Uh, I shift sta- stations as well. You know, it depends. You know, it depends. You know, I don't over my old movies that much you know once in a while once in a while yeah
0: I think I'm wondering more what it feels like to watch yourself in the movie
1: yeah what does it feel what does it feel like for you when you see yourself well you know I watch with you know now they have the uh, when you do a movie they have the playback where, every, where, the, where they never used to have it that way with the naked eye work, but now the directors watch through the box and if this if a scene goes well you know it and everybody agrees that it's well gone well but I'm superstitious. I figure by the time I walk back to the box, maybe it's not going to be so good after all. So uh, when I watch myself, I just hope that I'm following a sense of truth, talking and listening, listening and talking, and as we are now in a truthful way. And, uh, you know, it's like that's the beginning and the end of it, to be truthful in a, in a set of imaginary circumstances. That's what I try to look for in myself and in other actors as well.
0: Over here, okay. Uh, yes, hello. Um, me and my sister you know, basically think that the Godfather series is like the best series of uh, feature films. And I thought Tom Hagen was the best character to me in my opinion. But um, my question is, do you find uh, that the older you get, the more harder the roles are for you to choose now?
1: No, the the roles come to you, you go to them, sometimes they hack... Sometimes you'll plan with a production company or whatever, and you'll be planning something nice, but then something might come from around the corner that surprises you that's, that's better than anything you're planning. You know, I was fortunate to, uh, in the last part of the 20th century, to be fortunate to be in the two biggest film aside from Apocalypse Now, which was was a wonderful thing. Godfather 1 and 2 and Lonesome Dove. Those two that was... Parts were very different. Actually, Lonesome Dove was my favorite part. I can remember walking into the... uh, To the dining room on Lonesome Dove and saying, Boys, we're making the Godfather of Westerns. (laughs) And I think we were, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, it's such a treat to see you in this role. I think anybody who loves great acting. It's going to really enjoy this movie and get a lot out of it. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you all for coming. It's good to be back in New York. Thank you.